As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Ron Collier, Ph.D., has been a contracting university consultant for 35 years and has helped over 6,000 companies. His software programs, Collier Flat Rate, Profit Tractor, and Electronic Financial Officers help thousands of companies achieve success. His new book, Profit is an Attitude, shows contractors how to make the double-digit profits they deserve. To get a copy of his book or software, go to his website, www.collier-consulting.com. Good morning. Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, a very special guest, my old friend, Ron Collier. Ron, how are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, Mark. How about yourself? Well, good as gold, right as rain, cool as a cucumber. I like that. And working on fit as a fiddle. So, you know, that's an ever ongoing battle, as you well know. That is correct. That's right. So I'm trying to remember when we met and where, and I was thinking it was either Nashville or Atlanta in 2001. Does that sound that's about right? That sounds about right. It has been, you know, probably around uh, twenty around twenty years ago, right? Whenever we first got together and and, and did uh, meet each other, and we kept running into each other at these events. Well, well, we did every time we would have a conference or uh, you know maybe even a, a a national show or something like that. It seemed like we were uh, we were bumping bumping into each other all the time. You'd have a workshop or I would and. Uh, would certainly see each other. And uh, in fact, one time, I believe we even had dinner together. So we did. I remember with your wife, who that's correct. Way, you married way up. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, Mark. You know, <laughs> well, I always say one plus one equals should equal three. Right. And, and I'm not carrying the two. So uh, my no. wife is, but. But carrying the two, you have a PhD, so you can probably do the math. Well, I can do the math. That's true. I don't, I don't need a calculator. So, uh, your, your, your resume is impressive. I didn't know you had a PhD in instructional development uh, from Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. That is correct. Yes, I do. I actually went there. Um, uh, well, and you may have known this, but actually before all of my Purdue uh, jaunts, I was actually a biology professor. And uh, so I, but I became very, very interested in uh, individualized instruction you know, computer design, computer-aided instruction, uh, self-help instruction. And uh, so I, I really became keen on that and wanted to get a PhD in that realm to, to learn about instructional design and development, many courses, things like that. And so Purdue happened to have a, a doctoral program and I was lucky enough to be accepted. And uh, that's whenever I really turned my shift, I guess, from uh, the science in me to business because when I got there, then I began to work more and more with businesses and with the uh, armed services on their, their standard operating procedure manuals and uh, 
started doing a lot of developmental design. How did an under, undergraduate degree in biology help you? How does it help you now? Well, it, one, one thing about it is that uh, that particular degree, you know, I, I think whenever anyone, you know, completes something, uh, that, that, that means a lot, you know, yes. to actually have a goal and set it and go and, and, uh, you know, I, I know my own experience, you know, it took me, it took me six years to get my, my bachelor's degree and, and, uh, cause, uh, I was working nights and weekends and right. taking classes here and there, but I think what's important for everyone is you have a start and you have a finish. And yes, I think, I think that's even in business, you know, you have a goal, it's not necessarily how quickly you reach that goal, but you just want to be sure that you reach it, you know, and satisfy the goal that that you're trying to accomplish. The proudest document on my office wall is that says I'm a licensed journeyman in the state of Washington because I finished a four year apprenticeship. That's correct. To your point. And finishing finishing means a lot. And it uh, does. you know, even over the years, I've had students that, um, you know, were, were we're coming back, you know, after being married and after having children and all that here, they come back and, and, you know, maybe they're 40 years old, maybe they're 45, 50 years old, but you know what, uh, by gosh, they finished their degree. Yes. And that's something that they started. So I always say, it's not, it's not how quickly, you know, you reach that goal. You just want to reach it. That's what's important is to, is to get it and get it done correctly, get it done right. And for what it'll do for your self-esteem and your self-worth. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's exactly correct. Because you know, you know, you can do it regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the time. You know, if you really set your mind to it, um, you know, you can do many, many things. Now, uh, how does somebody get to be a supreme commander of Collier Consultant? I thought your well, wife was your real boss. Well, no, no, no. I, I actually many years ago, you know, I was I was president and I was owner and and all of that. And, and uh, Sharon, my wife, was wanting to. Uh, create some new business cards. And so I felt it a little boring just to be an owner or a president. So I thought, you know, I've never, ever been a Supreme commander. Yes. Uh, have you Mark? Have you no. ever been one? It's a lot of fun. So you might, you know, the next time you get your business cards, the next time you have your corporate meeting, you might want to think about, you know, getting into that, that realm. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome because it does expand your entire uh, universe. I'm the vice president of first impressions for my business. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how did you meet Sharon? Well, actually uh, going back to my biology days, when I first started uh, college in Dallas, uh, I actually was pre-med and I was uh, working at a hospital, actually in a hospital laboratory to, uh, you know, work toward my, my uh, uh, MD degree, of course, work, working toward my pre-med and, uh, Sharon had graduated from Kansas State and uh, had gotten her degree in medical technology, and she had to have a one-year internship. So she moved to Dallas and began work in the hospital, and so that's where that's where we actually met. As I wait, was wait, 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 wait! Did you clear that with HR? Uh, yes, I did. It was okay. <laughs> At that time, she was not my wife, so see, it was a uh, it was okay it, though. Sure, we were just employees of the corporation. So I got you. And you've been married how long? Uh, we've been married 50 years. That's uh, so about, great. Yeah, and it's, it's been a, a, a wonderful trip. Been fantastic, so. Well, having met Sharon, I know you married up like I did, so congratulations. That's a big well, deal. Thank you. 
So <laughs> now we got the Supreme Commander and the PhD out of the way. Why do you love contractors so much? Well, I, th I think I love, like I said, I, I really met my first contractor back in, I guess, really 1984 after I left Purdue and, uh, and entered the, the contracting business. I met my first contractor. And, and the reason I, I think I, I love contractors so much is really because they, they work so hard. They're, I think they're, they're some of the hardest working people that, that I've ever known. Uh, they always try to do what's right for the customer. Uh, it's kind of like the, you know, the, the, the way the post people used to be, you know, it was like, you know, rain, hail, sleet or snow, they're going to go and do things. And, uh, right. I think that the, the work ethics of, of, of most, all the contractors in the U S is just, it's just outstanding. And they set really a prime example for a lot of the new folks that are coming in. So Salt I love their the work earth. ethic. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just tremendous. They work very, very hard. And that's one reason why, you know, being a consultant to the industry, it, it really bothers me that, that, you know, they don't achieve a lot of the successes that, that they have earned. You know, I, I jokingly say in some of my workshops, you know, if some of the contractors would look at the amount of money that, that they receive versus the amount of hours worked, uh, they're probably in violation of minimum wage. So right. that's what I, that's what I say. And they don't deserve that. I mean, they, you, you, they work too hard not to have a, a, a good life now and a better future, even in retirement. So how did you come to begin to work with contractors? How did that happen? Well, uh, once again, whenever I left uh, Purdue, I went to work for uh, the train company as, as their training coordinator. And, and, and my job, uh, and part of it was my instructional design experience uh, was to come in and actually develop uh, self-paced programs uh, for their contractor network. And uh, in addition, of course, instead of just taking the things that they had and putting them into, um, you know, sizable uh, programs so that, that dealers could do some self-paced training, video training and things like that. Uh, my expertise was in small business. Mm. So in, in addition to creating a lot of the, the, the videos and mini courses and things for service and technical and application training, my focus was to develop that same realm of activities plus workshops uh, for the business side. Because one thing that, you know, uh, we all we all know is that most all contractors can can sell, they can service, they can install, but honestly, they have a problem making money, and they don't understand a lot of times the business side of the business. They didn't go to school and get a business degree, and so uh, that was my charge was to develop programs, workshops, seminars uh, for contractors around the United States, uh, showing them how to become a profitable dealer, not just a dealer, but become a profitable one, both now and also upon retirement. And, uh, you know, I was a technician for 10 years, and I had no idea how the company made money. I thought when a $10,000 sale happened, the owner put $10,000 in his pocket. Well, and that's, and that's really not uncommon even today, uh, because, <laughs> you know, we, we do see, you know, you're, you have, you have field workers or installers or salespeople or whatever, and they are seeing all the money that's coming in, but what they, they don't realize until they form their own company, you know, how much of that money is actually left 
you know, to go as far as a salary or retirement or anything like that. So because it's very expensive and I think everyone has found that out. It's very expensive today to uh, to run a, a contracting company. Yeah, I do an exercise when I have technicians in a room, what happens to $10,000? And when we get down to net profit, they're always astonished at how small that number is. That's correct. Oh, and by the way, it's pre-tax net profit. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you got to pay true. taxes on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and even, man. And even out of the profit, see, you know, even though whenever we're looking at a P&L and we look at the profit, you know, out of profit comes things like buying fixed assets, because that's... Right. If you don't, if you don't make a profit, you can't buy a new truck. You right. can't buy a new ladder. And so all of those things, you know, come out of that. So even though you may show a, a decent net profit, there's a lot of other expenditures that have to come out of that. Now, in addition to, and you've got a new book and I'll eventually get to that. And I'm excited about hearing about that, but you developed some flat rate pricing and you developed some software for contractors as well. Did you not? Yes, uh, back in um, 1991, still have it available today, I developed what was called uh, Call Your Flat Rate, and, and it's a, a flat rate pricing program for uh, contractors. Uh, we have uh, with electrical, HVAC, plumbing, and also irrigation. And so these are databases that attach to the software. The software manipulates it. And, and really, unlike a lot of the flat rate programs, ours relies on the inventory of the contractor. So what we do is we actually look at the actual inventory that a contractor has, uses on their truck, their cost, their selling price, and we uh, put that into the software so that they get a, a program that's got exactly their pricing instead of national pricing, instead of average pricing. Right. So that's called our Collier Flat Rate Program, and we've had it out since uh, uh, 1991. You were one of the pioneers of that, were you not? Really, we were. We were really probably one of the first companies to come out with a with a software program. You know, there have been there were a lot of programs out on the market uh, where contractors bought flat rate books. You know, based on certain parameters. Right. Uh, But they were very very difficult. You know, one of the one of the prime things today, of course, is refrigerant. You know, as as you and I are talking, refrigerant's probably gone up a dollar. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's that volatile. And so, whenever you're dealing with just having books, then there's no way for you to flex with the market. And so, right. with software, that's what's that's what's so nice because you can you can you know change any price immediately. And that was that that's what really brought a lot of flat rate to the forefront and being able to interface with the iPads and uh, notebooks and things like that in the field and all these new dispatch programs. Uh, whenever we were able to, to take that flat rate book and put it into a, a file, then it made it very easy to go across a lot of markets and, and on, onto a lot of mediums. Now you work with your wife, right? With Sharon? Yes. Uh-huh. How does that work? I tried that and my wife said, I, I don't want to work for you. I, I, you're the worst boss I ever had. Well, no, it's, and- it's, it's, it's a, it's very, very, um, it's, it's very difficult. And, but I think that what, you know, what Sharon and I have done throughout the years is we really sort of separated things. And so, you know, she was in charge of the office. She was in charge of marketing and, and employees and things like that. And in charge of supporting the software and all of that. While I was over here, you know, really doing consulting and workshops and things like that. So, right. 
I think one of the main, one of the main things, and once again, in, in, in most contracting businesses today, you know, we tend to find one, one person that's really kind of in charge of the office. And then one of the person that's really kind of in charge of the field, right? And that's usually a pretty nice separation. You know, you stay in the field, I'll take care of the office. Uh, but I think to be really successful, you know, that's got to really be defined, uh, not, not only between uh, the, both the spouses, but also you got to be sure that all the employees of the company understand that, that line of uh, delineation. So you can say with confidence, nary the twain shall meet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Mark. <laughs> so, so you wrote a book called Profit is an Attitude. Tell us about the book. Yeah, well, once again, um, uh, one of my firm beliefs is that that profit is an attitude. I've I've been very fortunate, you know, to be in the industry, you know, 35 plus years or so, almost 40 years. And um, I, I, I have seen uh, a, a lot of contracting companies that uh, sell things, install things, service things. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, they really don't have a profit mentality. And, and a lot of them, you know, companies believe the way I make more money is to get more customers, is to get more sales. And of course that, that doesn't work because if I'm, you know, if I'm selling a product right now that, that loses money, loses me money in the selling process every time I sell one, then why would I want to go sell more? It's not what and I so, make, it's what I keep. That's right. So, you know, it's like, it's like they just need a bigger truck, you know? Right. If I'm losing money with a little truck, I just need to buy a bigger truck and make more money. Right. And, and so, you know, a lot of contractors have finally understood that it, it's not just sales, it's not just customers, but it's, it's a way of managing the business. And so one of my purposes in the book was to set aside a lot of metrics that I have observed over the years, because I've been very fortunate once again to work with a lot of very, very good contractors. And the contracting business is a very, very good business uh, that goes on for generations to generations and is a very, very profitable business if people do the right things. And right. so in my book, what I said, I, I took, I think I devoted about 18 chapters to different areas of the business and said, this is really what you need to do and what you need to focus on. Uh, but the, but the, but the entire story sort of centers around metrics and measurements. Uh, I'm a, I'm sort of a monthly, uh, a monthly consultant in the sense that I think all contracting companies should evaluate their business on a month to month basis. So many times we set a yearly goal, we set quarterly goals, but the problem is at the end of the year, it's too late. You know, if you've lost money, it's too late. And right. so by really looking at your business and, I like to open a business on the first of the month, close a business at the last of the month and really compare it to industry standards and, and, and see how the business is doing. And then we immediately make changes. If we have to make Where performance changes. is measured, performance improves. That is correct. And so that's, that's, that's the thing is that uh, a, a lot of contracting businesses don't, don't have a guideline. Uh, they don't really have any measurements, no measurement tools. And I think that's so important today in a company to be sure that you're on the right track. We, we can, you know, we can, we can, we can drive from Texas to Washington, the state of Washington, but you know, there's probably a thousand ways to get there. 
And it's a 51 hour drive. Just so that's you know. right. So, yeah. but the question is, you know, how quickly do I want to achieve that? How, what's the best way to go? And that's really, I think what contractors should do on a month to month basis is, am I, am I moving toward my monthly goal? Did I achieve my monthly goals and why? Or if I did not achieve my monthly goals, why? Uh, and, and make those corrections. So we, yeah. we make a correction immediately. Just like you and I wouldn't, wouldn't take off and go three hours without looking at our GPS because we might get off track. We want to look at it so that we're focused and we might deviate, but it's not going to be very far. So yeah. uh, that was the main reason I wrote the book was to, to tell the people about the different ways to make money in a company and the different uh, metrics that they really need to look at in, uh, in becoming a very, very profitable company. My old friend Swen Nader played for John Wooden at UCLA for three years and then in the NBA for 11. And he led the NBA in rebounding three years in a row. And he said when he was with uh, Los Angeles, they measured the big man's uh, rebounding. They measured how many rebounds were available, how many he actually tried for, and how many he actually got. And they found out that if he just tried for 50% more attempted rebounds, he got an extra two or three rebounds a game. And that can make uh, all the difference. Oh, and so, it was, but if you don't measure the things that you want more of, how are you going to know if you're getting better or you're getting worse? Well, and, that, and, and that's the thing. That's, that's what I think is, is, is the problem with many of the companies. There, there is no measurement. It's like, oh, I'm lucky I made money this year. Or, I hope I make money. <laughs> um, it's like, like one parameter that I do go into quite a bit in the book that virtually no one uses that I've used for years is, is really the concept called break-even sales. Mm. And, and it's, a, you know, it's the value that is determined, you know, how much do I need to sell to actually make zero profit? Right. And, uh, and I have a lot of clients that measure that on a weekly basis. They measure it on a monthly basis. So that they know they have a they have a goal. Even even one gentleman I can think of, you know, he tracks it on a daily basis. So he knows at the end of every day if he's made or lost money. And he and then he goes in and finds out why. Why did I make money today? Why did I lose money today? But most people don't have uh, that particular number uh, break-even sales as far as their sales goal, and they don't know even their break-even on most jobs. Because most most contractors can't tell you, you know what it would sell for to make nothing, and uh, so break-even sales is is a big part of the book, and it's a it's really a good chapter. Hotels and commercial office buildings have something in common: when they're seventy percent occupied, that's their break-even. Right. And so anything above seventy percent, they're making money. Anything below, and they're losing money. That is correct. And what you're saying is they need to know what their break-even is. That's right. That's a starting point. Well, because that's, and, and that's the thing is if I, if I know, let's just take a job, for example, if I know exactly what it's going to cost me for that job, and that means, you know, all the, the cost of materials and equipment and labor, plus all the overhead, if I know what that number is, and I know if I, if I bid that particular number, my profit is zero, if everything goes as expected, but, but that is a good number and people need to know that. So when the job is finished, either I have made, you know, the 20% profit that I thought I was going to make or only made two, 
and then we evaluate this. And what I say to contractors all the time, you know, if you bid every job at 20% profit, why don't you make 20% profit at the end of the year? And of course, right. we know we know that's not true because the average contractor today is still hovering around 3% uh, net profit. That's so sad. It is. It is. It's not, like I say, so not only are they not paying themselves what they should be paying themselves, and even the spouses involved in the business, they're not making that that net profit that increases that net worth of the company. So whenever they do get ready to retire, you know, they have something that has value. And let's be honest, a, a consolidator is not going to want to buy a company that's only coming in at two or 3% net. That is correct. It, it's amazing. So how does someone get a copy of your book, Ron? Well, the best way they can, they can get a signed copy through my website and that's collier hyphen consulting.com collier-consulting.com uh, if they'd like a signed copy they can go there uh, or of course they can go just to uh, amazon barnes and noble uh, all the uh, the book publishers out there but uh, for a signed copy come directly to the website and, uh, and we'll take care of you well and the reason that's important is the book is worth a lot more when the speaker dies that's true if it's signed you know like uh, right that's what, I that's what I tell people. Autograph books are worth more when the speaker dies. Well, that's correct. Oh, my gosh. Um, so if, if you could offer contractors three pieces of advice, what three things would you tell them? Well, the, the, the three things is, and uh, once again, this is covered partly in my book, but um, number one is don't be all things to all people. Um, one book that I read years and years ago that set me off was uh, the book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I'm sure yep. you've read it. Yep. And, and basically, uh, it sort of epitomizes the contractor because what a contractor tries to do is not only uh, do the work, they try to manage the work and try to get the work, and it's impossible. So there's, there's no way that you can really succeed. There's no way you can really move up and grow your business uh, by wearing three hats. Can't do it. And then the second thing is uh, pricing. Uh, the main thing in pricing is to be sure that you price correctly and know what your break even is, et cetera. Uh, the greatest impact that you can have on your business is to increase price. And, and price increases should come regularly, whether that's every three months or six months or 12 months. And the reason for that is that the cost of the contracting business is going up all the time. And so because of that, uh, you've got to adjust. If you're on adjusting for increases in how much you pay labor, I mean, every time you give a person a raise, uh, it comes off the bottom line. So how do we make up for that? So pricing would be two, having, having definitive pricing strategies. And then I think number three would be uh, just good financials. Uh, good monthly financials that typically are produced in-house and uh, profit and loss balance sheet so that you can actually look at your financials uh, and then do the proper ratios or metrics so that you can compare yourself to like the top 10% uh, of the industry. So uh, once again, not wearing too many hats in the company, be sure that things are given out and uh, what, I, what I say to people, you know, if you're gonna let a person be your office manager, then let them be your office manager and back off. Right. Know, go do your thing, let them do their thing. 
Delegate your weaknesses soar with your strengths. That is correct. That's a very quote, very good quote. And then, of course, developing definitive pricing strategies and be sure on a monthly basis you're producing good financial documents that are correct. Now, we may not like them, but we know that they are correctly being uh, produced. Well, it's and from a snapshot, those, we can get the metrics it? we need. That's correct. It's a snapshot at the moment. You know, the, yeah. I, like you, I've arm wrestled with contractors to raise their prices. And, and what I found, this is just my experience, is you can borrow money. You can't borrow self-esteem. If you don't think you're worth what you're charging, then you're not. And they have to, I believe, they have to believe that they're worth what they charge. Well, and, and, you're, and that they deserve it. Well, no, and, and that's really part of it is that, you know, I, I do a, I do a little uh, a session in my workshops and, and I, I ask the contractors, you know, what are some of the characteristics of a great contractor that, you know, I mean, who, who would you like to become, who, who would right. you like to grow into? And 99% uh, of the time, of course, one thing that they say, they, I mean, they talk about, you know, he's got a beautiful building, they got professional stuff. And they also mention, oh, by the way, he's the highest price contractor in town. Yes. And so what what I try to what we try to emphasize is, well, yeah, but but remember, he has proven to customers he's worth that. Right. So so if you're charging one hundred dollars an hour and he charges one hundred and fifty, I don't think he does fifty dollars better work. But what he's done is he has shown that he's worth one hundred and fifty dollars and you will people will and. You know, and, and also, too, as far as pricing, what I, what I think should be emphasized is that pricing also attracts customers. You know, if you want to charge $50 an hour, that's fine, but you're going to get $50 an hour customers. Right. If you charge $200, you're going to get $200 an hour customers. You know, you can serve the Mercedes Benz of the industry. You can serve the Kias of the industry. Either one's fine. And everything in between. Yeah. Everything in between, but so many times your your price dictates, you know who who you're going after. And so what I I've always said is, you really need to be priced up in about that twenty five percent of your market. That's what's that's where you should be. And if you're not there, then even though you're surviving, you're not going to grow your company. And once again, at retirement, it's not going to have a real value to anyone. So true. A, a contractor told me a story once. This guy is wildly successful, wildly profitable, contractor of the year. And he said a contractor and his attorney wife went to a high school reunion, a 20-year high school reunion. And the wife uh, was an attorney. She sees a, a friend of hers from law school. So she goes over and talks to her and he sees the contractor. So he goes and talks to him. And on their drive home that night, his wife turns to him and says, you know, I, I I went to law school with this woman that I talked to tonight and uh, it turns out, you know, she's charging a hundred dollars an hour and I was way smarter than her in law school. So on Monday, I'm going to raise my rates to $150 an hour. And the contractor said, Oh, that's interesting. He said, because I ran into a contractor friend of mine and he said, he's charging a hundred dollars an hour. So on Monday, I'm going to lower mine to 85. And Be when he told me that story, I laughed because that's the wrong mindset. What I'm hearing you say throughout this podcast is believe that you're worth it and charge accordingly and keep strict accounts. That's, that's correct, Mark. And let me, let me uh, expand on that just a moment. 
Well, we're almost uh, out of time, my friend. Okay. You got we got about one minute. Okay. Well, the what 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 the what most contractors do is they make the pricing mistake when they start their business. Because if they if they leave a contractor that's charging $100 an hour and they go and form their own company, well they can't there's no way that that they have any customers. So the only way in their mind to get customers away from their competition is to lower their price. And it's the wrong and move. So, and it's the wrong move. And once again, what happens is they don't get those $100 customers. They get those $60 or $70 customers. And now they're stuck. And they're so busy taking care of them, they don't have the time to go out and get the customers they really deserve. And oh, by the way, those are the same customers that are 180 days out on paying you and call you all the time in annoying ways. That is correct. <laughs> You're so right, Mark. We're on the same wavelength, my friend. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to talk to you, Ron. It's been way, way too long. Well, I hope our listeners gets a chance, get a chance to get your book, A Profit is an Attitude, uh, on, your, on your website. Would you repeat that website again, please? It is collier-consulting.com. That's collier-consulting.com. And I thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. And say hi to your lovely wife for me. I certainly will. And thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. It was a great getting caught up, my friend. Well, I appreciate it very much. And once again, thank you so much. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.